Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference forget the sec forget the big 10 and forget national podcasts that only talk about oklahoma and texas we talk about the sooners and the longhorns we also talk about the cyclones the cowboys the wildcats the mountaineers the jayhawks the red raiders the horn frogs and the bears we love the whole big 12 and we are available everywhere the podcasts are found so go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today Continuing to just chug along and get all of these season previews out of the way here. Uh, look, we are more than halfway through the season at this point. Lots of interesting games already. Um, and up next is the Week 8 matchup with the Baylor Bears, the defending Big 12 champion Baylor Bears. Um, joining me to help preview that and kind of take a look at what we can expect from this team, it is Matt Wilson, a.k.a. Matt Isbear, both the... Um, manager over at our daily bears and he is also one half of the bear sandwich that is the between two bears podcast here on the 1012 podcast network matt how you doing today look at us just a couple of national champions just talking about the other sport that has a lot of promise in this upcoming season just a lot of fun yeah that, yeah just, you know what it's you, a good time you brought it up even earlier than i was going to but like the way that this goes right is that your basketball team wins the national championship and then your football team wins the conference championship the next year right yeah andy you're pulling the words out of my mouth exactly uh, it was something i was thinking about this morning as i was dropping the kids off i was like wow if that holds, dot, 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 either a lot of people are going to make uh, no money and lose a lot, or a very few amount of people are going to make all of the money. So that could be that could be interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a, a, a good money-making strategy. You know, just go put a whole bunch <laughs> on KU to win. Because, um, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, odds. It's already happened once. It's got to happen again. So, <laughs> all right. So, obviously, Baylor... Uh, defending Big 12 champions uh, won the conference in a 
very um, defensive-minded and yet somehow still super entertaining Big 12 championship game to end out the season. Um, but a lot has changed for the Bears. Obviously, um, you know, last year being the year that it was and kind of how things went, like, does that set expectations really high coming into this year? Or is it really kind of to the point where you have to just take how great last year was and kind of hope that they can keep building? I'm going to take this from two different perspectives. One is the objective college football fan. I, I think if you take the average national college football fan or the average Big 12 fan, there's probably a tendency to say, yeah, that was a flash in the pan, right? Everything came together. Baylor won a lot of close games. That defense was extremely experienced. Uh, that offense did exactly what it needed to do. So, yeah, there's an argument to be made that it was a flash in the pan. Um, but then you take the other perspective, which is the Baylor fans' perspective, and you look at how experienced some of these units are and how successful this coaching staff has been with some of the very definitive decisions that they've made. Um, and you can't help but to think, well, this is like a, a floor of a nine win team, right? Like you, you look at how this team is organized and the, the culture of this program, yada, yada, yada. I can do the whole thing of a Baylor fan talking about the Baylor program. But yeah, expectations are definitely high. You can't not expect to be competitive in every single game after winning a conference unless there are just massive overhauls of coaching staffs and personnel, both. Uh, you have to be optimistic. Yeah, I mean, and, and this isn't a case where, you know, you are replacing a whole bunch of guys that left due to graduation. Like, you have a brand new quarterback this year, but that's not because, you know, the old quarterback graduated. It's because the new guy came and took the job pretty early in camp from what I understand in, in spring practice. So um, the one thing I will say though, is that, you know, this, the way, as, as you were describing it, you know, talking about great defense and winning a bunch of close games, all this stuff is like, that reminds me an awful lot though of Iowa state from two years ago, where they were coming off of an appearance in the big 12 championship game. They had won a lot of really close games. It looked like they were having a super talented team coming back. And then obviously things didn't work out well for them in, in, in the next season, not saying that that's going to repeat itself, but I am kind of curious how much of a worry there might be with some of the changes happening over the course of the offseason. Is there anything in particular that kind of sticks out to you as something that you might be worried about if, if you're that Baylor fan or somebody looking for a reason to not believe in the Bears this year? It's, it's probably more of a specific answer than you were expecting, but it would be injuries in the secondary. Uh the injury bug in general, right, is always a worry for literally every football team. But the one, quote, weakness of this Baylor team could very easily be the depth at cornerback and safety. I think there are good players there in that, you know, starting lineup. But the depth is not what it was last year at all. So I think the injury bug, and then, of course, you look at the quarterback position and was spring ball a fluke? Is Blake Shapin not really what everybody saw in, in the conference championship game or in spring ball? I, I think those are the two things that you look at. Everything else seems very consistent. Yeah, I mean, that that is definitely kind of the worry, right? Any, anytime you have a change of quarterback, there's a worry about how well that person's going to be able to continue or to improve upon the position from the prior year. But like you said, like that happened pretty early, honestly, in spring football. So it seems like the coaches are 
really, really optimistic about what he can actually bring. So it'll be interesting to see if he can follow through on that. I do find it funny you talk about, you know, depth in the cornerback because you could be talking about pretty much any Big 12 team, honestly, sure. during the year at that point. Um, you know, that was that was probably Kansas' big issue last year was that they didn't have basically any depth at all in the cornerback position, and that's what happened with pretty much every single team um, in the Big 12. That's that's the new market inefficiency. Apparently no, nobody can actually get a good, talented, deep cornerback position, and, and Big 12 teams are ready to take advantage of that if they're not, you know, running the ball down your throat. But... Talking specifically about Baylor, obviously there are some things that are different. Everybody knows about the quarterback. What other big players are not here this year that contributed heavily last year that that are, are going to have to find someone to step up and replace them? Ooh, good question. I'm at a fork in, in the road here. I can I can turn left and talk offense, or I can turn right and talk defense because both sides of the ball saw some attrition. Uh, let's go defense first because I'm I am more bullish and just a, a disclaimer I'm more bullish on this team than even a lot of Baylor fans that I've talked to so take this with a grain of salt but you look at what Baylor lost with um Jalen Petrie who's now a member of my Houston Texans which I'm back I, I can now be a Texans fan again um and Terrell Bernard of course and a lot of pieces uh, um Kalen Barnes and you, you look at I'm forgetting somebody in in the defensive backfield, but you lose quite a bit in that linebacker core and uh, in the secondary, but, but, but in terms of the linebacking core, you have ex- a lot of experience there still, right? You have your Matt Jones who showed up in a couple of big moments last year. You have Dylan Doyle who's still there and who improved drastically last season from his first season at Baylor. Um, the, the transfer from Iowa. So you have some staples there already. And then plus uh, just an absolute freak of nature transfer from Louisiana, uh, from LSU, Josh White. People are saying, you know, he is an instinctual of a linebacker as you have seen. Um, it's just a matter of, of putting it together. And I, you know, in terms of linebacker coaching, it's going to be hard to beat Dave Aranda. So I think the linebacking core is going to be fine. A lot of people have already talked about that defensive line, but you look up and down this roster just at the defensive line and (laughs) it's it's insane so there's really no concerns there a lot of guys that made plays all season last season but it is that secondary right you you don't really have a Jalen Petrie you're replacing uh both cornerbacks with Al Walcott and um uh oh what's the what's the other name I'm sorry Mark Milton and you know you you do have your uh safety turnover like I said, with Petrie, but you also have um, some experience there with Christian Morgan, right? Hard hitting safety, probably a little bit more vulnerable in, in pass coverage, but the pieces are there. The depth isn't as there as it was. That's that's the focus for a lot of Baylor fans, I think. Defensive line, no concern. Linebackers, for me personally, no concern. Secondary, going to keep an eye on it. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's honestly where I think a lot of Big 12 teams are struggling this year um, is in terms, I mean, Kansas, for example, just went and got a whole bunch of transfers that could play cornerback and safety uh, after spring ball because they weren't happy with, you know, the players that they had there um, as sure. as a whole. So it's definitely, I think, going to be the focus for a lot of teams. And, and I do think that most of the Big 12 teams 
if they're going to be successful, it's because they, they have that position figured out. But I am I am kind of curious. You know, I, I don't know if you mentioned JT Woods, but he was the the leading. Thank you. That's who I forgot. Okay. JT okay. Woods, Heartbreak Kid. I had Heartbreak Kid in my head. That's the nickname. And <laughs> everybody referred to him on Twitter as HBK, and that's absolutely how I remembered him. But yes, another okay, NFL. That player. makes a lot more um, sense. I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's probably who he was talking about. But I, I was like, I didn't think I heard, heard the name. So. But yeah, so I mean, it's definitely, I think, interesting to see how that's going to go ahead and play out. So, so obviously, defensive secondary is is potentially an issue coming into the year. Um, looking a little bit more at the rest of those defensive spots, though, because you you did say, like, looking up and down the defensive line, that you feel pretty good about that. But what about the individual players there? Like, is there a guy that you're expecting to be that kind of standout guy, the the dominant pass rusher, um, or is it going to have to be more of a team effort? It's it's going to be, quote, a lot of guys. So Siaka Ika right there in the middle, it, he won't put up a lot of sack numbers, but he is going to collapse. He's just going to crunch the middle of the pocket more often than not. And this, he, he absolutely showed up in the bigger games too. Then you, you start looking on either side of him, and that's where it gets really interesting. You have your standouts from last season, Gabe Hall, right? You have TJ Franklin, two of your staples, then you have guys that chipped in here and there with your Trey Emery. I'm not Trey Emery. You have your um, uh, <laughs> your Chidi Ugbenaya. Um, and it, I, I'm just so excited to talk to him. I got distracted. Talk about him. I got distracted. But then you have your transfer from Tulsa, Jackson Player. And this is a true power five defensive lineman, six foot, 300 pounds from Waco, played at Midway just an absolute beast and adding yet another weapon to that too deep defensive line already. That's you're, you're looking at eight guys who will get real play, right? Cole Maxwell had a couple moments last year too, but there are real guys on a, like across the two deep. This isn't just a first unit. That's elite. This is two units that can really make an impact the entire game. You're going to get a full game of really good defensive line play, line play every week. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely one of those things where it'll be interesting to see where that all comes from. I think a lot of Kansas fans are kind of used to seeing that sort of effort where, yes, you had Kyron Johnson last year who, you know, was absolutely just eating people up for lunch. Um, but the rest of the Kansas defensive line had a really hard time, you know, putting up big plays, but it required that solid play from a lot of different people around the line. So I'm interested to see how well Baylor is able to do that. Obviously they had one of the better defensive lines last year. They were really, really good um, there. So it will be definitely interesting. Um, jumping over to the linebackers. Cause I know you, you did talk a little bit about them, but I get the feeling that there is probably one guy that is going to stand out. I think coming into last year, linebacker was kind of the position that uh, that I thought was the strength of this Baylor defense as well. So oh, yeah. um, it sounds like that's going to continue, but which guys, whether they're guys that, you know, Kansas fans or other big 12 fans should already know um, or are new people to the scene, who are you expecting to be those big contributors? I would expect Dylan Doyle to step over into that defensive quarterback role. He's been here now for two full seasons. This is his third. He's made a jump. Every season he's been here, I don't expect that to change. So Dylan Doyle, big staple. Matt Jones, streaky last season, made a lot of great plays, made a lot of dumb plays, right? A couple of, you know, 
personal fouls and things of that nature, but just as talented. But I really do think it's going to be Dylan Doyle and the new transfer, Josh White. Again, the, the athleticism is absolutely there and the instincts are there. It's just a matter of fitting into the system. I don't think he's going to have a problem doing that. You, you, if you consider strong safety, whatever that bear role or star role is that Jalen Petrie played last season, if you consider that a linebacker, which Petrie essentially was in my mind, um, then, then things get a little, I wouldn't even say shaky. Things are just going to look a little different. I don't know that we'll have a playmaker in a Christian Morgan the same way Jalen Petrie was. But I think the linebacker play will still be a solid, and I trust the scheme that these coaches can come up with to mask that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's really what it is that is going to determine how successful because we have a lot of really good Big 12 running backs, really good Big 12 offensive coordinators that can really make you pay if you're not able to scheme well. Um, you did mention the uh, the staple, um, you know, that has been there in the, big, in the Baylor linebacking core. Um, you know, reminded me actually of sponsor here on the podcast who is a staple in everybody's wardrobe that is a good Big 12 fan. That is Home Field Apparel. Because Home Field Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff. They have every single Big 12 school and over 125 different schools with fantastic mascots. Look, I have stuff from way too many schools. Like, I literally have now gotten to the point where I could wear a home field shirt every single day of the week for almost two weeks and not have to repeat one. It is that great of gear. It is absolutely fantastic. And guess what? The logos that they have are honestly the best around. They have fantastic vintage Jayhawk stuff. They have great Baylor Bear stuff, if, if you're a Baylor Bear fan that's watching this. And of course, both Kansas and Baylor have national championship t-shirts from huh. Home Field Apparel. So, you know, great stuff to have. They celebrate all the big moments, all of that fun stuff. If you have not already gone over to Home Field Apparel, what are you waiting for? Go on over now, homefieldapparel.com. Promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off that entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. All right, so, Matt, obviously... Um, well, before we move over to the offense, was there anything else about this defense you think fans need to know about, whether it's Baylor fans or, or other opposing fans? I We didn't even really talk about the like outside linebacker pass rush component of that. There's a couple names, Bryson Jackson, Garmin Randolph. They made some splash plays last season. Eh, keep an eye on them. I, I think they will be very, very interesting. That being said, that pass rush, that run defense, I think will buy the secondary enough grace, enough time to improve over the course of the season and be of reasonable quality when the when the games really get important. <clears throat> I, I think I think there will be balance there. Well, that's that's good. I mean, because that's really what you kind of need in terms of the pass rush. Are you expecting it to be? I, I haven't watched a ton of Baylor. Um, but do you expect that to be more of like, uh, you know, outside linebacker pass rush or more of hand on the ground defensive end pass rush? Oh, it's going to be it's going to come from a whole bunch of different directions by design. It is Aranda. If you go watch some uh, coaching clinic videos, his whole focus is being able to match up um, you know, it, waste the resources of the offensive line, be able to match up a pass rusher on the running back, be able to match up 
a free runner on uh, nobody, right? Being able to redirect the resources of that offensive line where it doesn't need to go and create pressure that way. I, I, I think that's going to work very well with as much talent as Baylor has up front this season. Yeah, I mean, that really should be interesting. That is definitely one of the things that I'm looking for. Um, I know that there are definitely some some schools that are trying to scheme around strong pass rushes because there's a good number of them in the conference. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to do it and how Baylor is able to counterpunch. All right, I do want to jump over to the offense, um, but before we do that, I do need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother... Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. And we're back. I'm joined here by Matt Wilson, uh, otherwise known as Matt Isbear, one half of the uh, Between Two Bears podcast here on the 1012 Podcast Network. We are talking about Baylor, of course, uh, which means with all of the change we had last year, this offense, I'm expecting it to look a little bit different since there are a decent number of players who are no longer with the team, either by choice of the coaches who, you know, moved off to a different quarterback um, or players that have now graduated and gone on to the NFL or, or other opportunities. Um, who are the biggest pieces from last year that are no longer with Baylor that you think might, um, I guess, be the biggest differences that fans would notice. Yeah, it, it, Gary Bohannon, right, right off the bat, right. This is, you know, Gary was exactly what that team needed last season. Tough as hell, great runner. You know, it, essentially, it's like a fullback meeting you in the in the backfield. Like, it, it, very tough to bring down. The the only drawbacks were the the accuracy issues in middle to deep passing uh, and just sometimes the velocity wasn't there. It was very odd to see considering the arm that we saw the year prior. So that will create a cascade of changes. I think, I don't know that the offense will look terribly different than it looked early on in the season when the coaching staff was still trying to do some of those things down the field because uh, Blake Shapen did, say whatever you want the guy will sling it he will take shots and his deep ball is you know as shown in that big 12 conference championship game it's there he can make those throws shortstop was recruited for baseball has the different arm angles he can throw the football that is not an issue but then you start looking at um, some of the playmakers outside wide receiver unit is going to look vastly different right you you look at the roster right now and it, it it just no familiar names outside of like a um a Gavin Holmes and a Monterey Baldwin. And I don't think a lot of people know who Monterey Baldwin is. If you watch the Sugar Bowl, there is a wide receiver sweep play, and the cameraman could not keep up with Monterey Baldwin. Track track kid from Colleen, extremely fast. So the tools are there with him for sure, but he's still young. So you have your Gavin Holmes. I expect uh, some of these um, younger players to really step up. I'm very interested in uh, sophomore Seth Jones. I'm very interested in freshman Armani Winfield. Um, but the thing that I, I think a lot of Baylor fans even aren't really paying attention to is 
Ben Sims at tight end is such a skilled player. I would expect his targets to explode. He made a lot of what the tar- of what targets were given to him last season. A lot. I would even think Drake Dabney, right, the the junior tight end, will also get more looks. So expect out of eleven, maybe even twelve personnel. That's still a passing formation for Baylor. So very very excited for what those players can do. Yeah. Uh, so. You you did talk about the difference between Bohannon last year and then Shapin, uh, what he's doing this year. In terms of the way that they play, though, like, I mean, how much different is that? Because it, it feels to me like they would have had to have seen something specifically in what they, you know, uh, saw from Shapin in, in the spring football. And, and there's going to be some differences. Uh, like, what does Shapin do really well that Bohannon didn't? Or where do you think that Shapin might be a step back from what Bohannon was and, and, and kind of how, how that will be different for the team this year? Uh, that This is a painful question to ask because the, the answer that comes to mind first is the last play on offense in the TCU game last season. Uh, Gary Bohannon uh, had led half of a drive down the field um, to potentially tie or win the game and throws just a ball that was off. It just was not on target and it's an interception for TCU and, and Baylor drops the game that maybe could have gotten them to the playoff. It's, it's, it's as simple as accuracy for me. Now, in terms of the running game, Gary Bohannon, you could run him through the tackles with zero issue, right? There was some durability there at the end of the season, but for the most part, solid as a rock. Blake Shapin, I don't know that they're going to do as much of that with, but he still has wheels. He can still move. And if he needs to escape, he can still do that. I, I don't have any concerns about that. And he's a tough kid as well. He, he, I think he's a little bit more, and I hate to use this word, but fragile. I think the injury concern is a little bit higher for him, but he is tough and he will play through it if he absolutely can. Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see how all of that shapes up. Um, and no, that was not actually not a pun intended. <laughs> I didn't realize that oh, until I actually God. said it. But oh, no. that's going to happen so often. Oh, I know. I, just I to be honest, that was completely that. unintentional. I and know. I realized, Nobody's going to mean to do it either. Yeah, I realized once I said it, I was like, oh, no, that's horrible. Um, before we move on to the schedule and kind of looking at, at the way that this season is you know, going going to come together or that we, that we think it's going to come together, what about special teams? Um, you know, there was definitely some some questions, I think, in year one about the way that Aranda did special teams. Year two definitely seemed to be better. But uh, what are the expectations there? Are there any specialists that you're really excited to kind of see what they can do this year? Or are, is, is it kind of just there? Andy, as a high school running back, I am offended. As a high school running back, I am offended. We need to cover some of these running backs because I think there are some things. That okay, are we can cover I, running I think, backs too. I, I just would I have just thought that if it, you really wanted to talk about the running backs, you would have done it while we were talking about the offense in general. It is short king season. Craig Williams, 5'9", and by the way, he ain't 5'9". Squirrel, that's his nickname. You will come to learn who Craig Williams is. One of the fastest, shiftiest running backs in the conference. That includes Deuce Vaughn. Uh, I, I think there is a chance for him to take that starting job, although it will be a committee with Tay McWilliams, with converted wide receiver Josh Fleeks. Uh, but don't sleep on Quaylen Jones either. Just a, there's more talent than the names indicate 
to the rest of the Big 12. Look for Craig, Craig Williams to take a lot of people by surprise this season if he stays healthy. Injuries have been an issue with him. But uh, look for Craig Williams and Tay McWilliams to, uh, to be electric, I will say. Yeah, I was going to say, in my defense, the fact that, you know, Abram Smith <laughs> and Tristan Ebner are both gone, <laughs> you know, off to the Fair. NFL, in, in camp right now with some NFL teams, like, yeah. it's, it's it will be interesting. I mean, you talk about the the leading returner in terms of rushing is Blake Shapin with 21 rushes from last season. Yeah, so, you're not wrong. You yeah. aren't wrong. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely one of those things where um, we'll know pretty early, right, whether this is a really deep running room, running back room that has a bunch of different guys that can do a bunch of different things, or if it's going to take some time for them to get things pulled together. The one thing I will say is that um, by the time Kansas gets to see them, they will have had plenty of time to kind of figure out what it is that they're doing and kind of get things pulled together because they'll be halfway through their season. So, uh, unfortunately, Kansas will not be the beneficiary of any kind of early uh, hiccups that they might have. But no. um, before we get to the schedule, because I do think that this schedule shapes up pretty interestingly, um, you know, I, I do think that last year uh, kickoff returns and punt returns were a, a weapon that Baylor used, but not necessarily sure. like – something that you could count on week in and week out, like like a team like Kansas State does. Um, looking at it this year, because I know that uh, I believe that Ebner was the was, was one of the turners last year. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. are you guys looking in terms of kickoff returns or, or punt returns? And then also just the kickers as well. Uh, you know, kicking and punting is a pretty big deal, honestly, when it comes to the Big 12. So how's all that Hashtag looking? punt to win. In terms of kick returns, I, I – I would have my preference. I don't think it's been announced or anything yet. I don't even know that there's any leans at this point, but I'd really like to see the aforementioned Monterey Baldwin get a shot at that. Just the, the raw speed is so dangerous, so dangerous. I'm not, I don't actually know if he's as shifty as Ebner was, but I I think we should find out Uh, in terms of the kicking game. It, that's always kind of been a very shaky subject for Baylor in the past, right? 61-58 versus TCU with a game-winning field goal aside, right? It's always been oh, not terrible, just unsettling. But we have the all-time career leader in field goal percentage for Baylor right now with John Mayers. He's like almost 77% in kicking field goals. So very comfortable with him back there. Isaiah... um, Hankins backs him up, uh, but Isaac Power, who is a uh, nominee this year, um, he is a monster. His his punting probably won the conference championship, played a real part in those final couple of drives, making Oklahoma State drive, what, 90 yards rather than, uh, you know, 60. So it, it's massive. And then Noah Rauschenberg puts it in the, in the uh the end zone every single time. So he's the the kickoff specialist. So no real, no concerns about special teams, which is rare for Baylor. Just, just rub it in. Why don't you? No, I'm joking. Ah, (laughs) Okay. So now to jump over to the schedule, obviously last year, um, you know, was a, honestly, I thought the schedule shook out pretty well for Baylor last year in terms of when they hit teams, where they were, um, you know, that, that BYU game right smack dab in the middle of conference play seemed like it really helped to energize um, Baylor and kind of help push them. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was the, the, the hiccup down at, at TCU, but 
Coming into this year, is there any, like, when you saw the schedule come out, was there anything in particular in terms of really difficult stretches or really weird, like, you know, ways things were set up that you were kind of worried about or, or anything that looks particularly juicy for you? I, games that made me say, huh, um, I will say going to Provo in week two, uh, September 10th, that's not easy, but it made me say, huh, I think Baylor is still the better team, but it did make me go, huh. Um, then the, the classic starting off conference play with Iowa state, I, I think that's a very winnable game. Um, but it's an Ames this season. So crazy stuff happens, but I think Baylor's the better team. Then you you come back home for Oklahoma State, not terribly worried about that. But then after that, you do go to West Virginia and you go to Morgantown. And I do think Baylor is the better team compared to West Virginia, even with the upgraded quarterback, even with, you know, an extra year under the belt for that coaching staff. But again, nobody likes going to Morgantown to play a football game and not because it's Morgantown, but because it's where those fans right that's a that's a compliment to west virginia saying that nobody likes to go yes, to play a football game. yeah exactly exactly and and when they read about this podcast in the almanac they're going to be very offended at first and then you know hopefully they understand it's a compliment but that that takes us to the kansas game which which is in waco so i do feel confident about that and at some point Andy, we, at the end of this we do need to talk about kansas because i have some oh yes we will for sure I, I I kept some time back to get there at some point. Yeah, I kept some okay. time back just to make sure that we could talk about Kansas because you were telling me before we got started that you had some thoughts that needed to be heard. So I want I have some I have some things to say. All right. Uh, after Kansas, though, Baylor makes its first trip to Lubbock in a long time. So no longer at AT and T Stadium in Arlington. Now it's at AT and T Stadium in Lubbock. So. Um, I think Baylor's the better team there. But again, Lubbock is one of those upside down places that you never know what's actually going to happen. This is one of those seasons where Baylor plays five away and four at home. So it lines up with Oklahoma and Texas both being away. Luckily, you know, we we do have the two weeks in between where we have Kansas State at home and TCU at home. Those games at Oklahoma and Texas never are comfortable, right? But, I mean, I, I think Baylor will be extremely competitive in both. Yeah. So in, in terms of in terms of the particular hiccups, right, BYU could be a, very much so a hiccup. I think West Virginia, maybe a smaller hiccup. Um, Texas Tech, an even smaller hiccup than that. And then, you know, your two games that you really are focusing on the game in Norman and the game in Austin. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I, I am fully on the bandwagon of not necessarily believing in Texas nearly as much as most people, but that's kind of a common occurrence until Texas really shows. Much like people said, until Kansas loses the Big 12 in basketball, I'm not going to pick against them. Until Texas shows me something in football on a sustained basis, I'm not going to believe that they're back until they can actually prove it. So, And, and ideally... Ideally, by the time that actually happens, they'll be in the SEC and they'll be the SEC's problem. So, um, but like to your point, you know, the Texas Tech game, like if you're looking at that game right now, right, right, and that like if they were like getting ready to line up this week, absolutely no way would I pick Texas Tech in that game. 
Um, right. The problem is where it is in the schedule. It's late enough in the year that Texas Tech, if they're going to get things put together, that's when they'll be kind of rolling. I, I mean, I, I'm one of those people, and I was talking with Albie about this uh, over on his podcast. You know, I'm one of those people that I think that Joey McGuire is going to be great for Texas Tech. I just don't know how long it's going to take for them to get to the point where they're going to be able to be competitive against people because they had some real problems last year. And, you know, they are essentially starting over. There's a lot of people that are really excited about Joey McGuire, and, and they should be, because I think he's going to be a great coach for them. I just don't know if some people are being realistic about how long it's going to take. But the fact that Texas Tech is towards the end of the year, if they're going to get something together, like that's when it's going to be. It's right around that time as you're getting, you know, coming into the final home stretch of the season. That's the chance for them to make a push if they're going to. So, um, you know, you also have a team in TCU that a lot of people, again, um, really, they're either going to be super improved, according to a lot of people, or they're going to fall flat on their face. Um, at that point, we'll know, but it's going to be, it's the second to last week of the season. Either it's going to be a really tough game or the season's going to be over for them and Baylor can can have a nice, easy one at home. Obviously, with it being a rivalry game for you guys, that's never one that you can, even if TCU is absolutely atrocious going into that game, you can't really feel super comfortable about that one just because it is a rivalry. I, I know how that works. It's not fun to have to deal with that kind of stuff sometimes. I actually feel more comfortable about that game than I do about Kansas State coming to Waco the week before. Just because I think a lot of the players on this team remember what happened last season. It Fair. is in Waco. And I think that there will be a lot of uh, film to watch on what that TCU offense is doing and what they're trying to do uh, defensively, because that will look different and probably better, honestly. And so I, I feel comfortable with that game. I think Baylor's the better team there. Yeah. I, but I understand, I, am, I understand the sentiment. Yeah. I am fully on board with, uh, you know, Baylor as with every school beating both Oklahoma and Texas this year. Um, I would love it if, if, you know, everybody did that. So those are probably the games to worry the most about just because of who they are and kind of the emotions going into that. And, of course, everybody wants everybody except for OU and Texas to win in those games. So it'll be very interesting to kind of see. But looking through this schedule and kind of what we've already talked about to this point, um, how do you see the season shaking out for the Baylor Bears? Like if, if someone – if you had to give someone your win total as of right now, where would you put it? Oh, man. I'm a good guy in real life. I just need everybody to know that. Like, I'm a pretty boring good guy if you meet me in person. Let's let's back let's rewind the tape a little bit to when I said I am higher on this team than even a lot of Baylor fans. So I don't speak for all Baylor fans here. So keep that in mind. I think this Baylor team you know, injuries notwithstanding, some other unforeseen circumstance notwithstanding, if this team is healthy and doing what it needs to do, this team very well could be, what would that be, 8-0 and o going into Norman, Oklahoma. I, I truly, truly believe that. That oh, I'm yeah. confident. In that. Yeah, you're not crazy for thinking that that's a really good possibility. And then I look at that Oklahoma game, and I'm like, hmm, well... Has Baylor seen a Jeff Levy offense before? Yes, in the Sugar Bowl. Um, is Dylan Gabriel like injury prone or anything? Hmm, that might be something to look into. <laughs> um, it, I, I just I don't know what this Oklahoma team is going to be, 
other than a collection of yeah pretty pretty decent football players right but past that what are they and and Baylor's won in Norman before and and not terribly long ago so I feel confident in that I, I think that Kansas State game is going to be tough but I think Baylor's a better team than Kansas State that TCU game is going to be stressful for fans but I think Baylor's a better team than TCU and lately with with this Texas Longhorns team how many freshman quarterbacks have we seen succeed against Baylor recently? Like not a ton, not a ton, right? There was Chandler Morris at TCU last season. And that was weird. Baylor had Chandler Morris, I don't know, almost sacked about six times. Very, very odd. I, I like Baylor being able to keep the ball away from Texas to a degree where that offense, which is admittedly extremely skilled, doesn't hurt you as much. And I don't trust that Texas defense at all. I think it is more likely that this Baylor team goes 12 and 0 than it is that this Baylor team goes eight and four. I think that's fair. I, I, I think it probably falls between nine and 11 wins, but I just want it to be clear. I foresee a universe where this Baylor team does go 12 and 0 and that scares me. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like saying that out loud, but it is a rel- it is in the realm of possibility. Now watch watch Baylor go drop the game in West in, in Morgantown or or drop that game in Lubbock or or you know, God forbid that Kansas game in Waco. You know, what <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do that. I'm all I for couldn't it. <laughs> not do that. I couldn't not do that. But like, because the Big 12 is crazy and college football is crazy. And these are 18 to 21 year olds and consistency is the entire name of the game. But I think when you, when you say that consistency is the name of the game, this coaching staff preaches doing things in a consistent manner. And this is not a flashy team. This is not a, um, you know, we go out and trying to embarrass the other team just on offense and who cares about like this team is extremely well-rounded. And I have as much faith in this coaching staff than I think any other coaching staff in Baylor's history. Yeah, I have definitely been very impressed by what Aranda's has done in the first few years that he's been at Baylor. Um, like, I, I thought he could be successful. I did. I no way did I imagine he would be as successful as he was in year two. Uh, so it's definitely one of those things where I could see them doing a lot this year. It's also kind of like we talked about up at the top. You know, yes, they had a great year last year, but they also were very fortunate in some things. And as we saw with Iowa sure. State, yeah, yeah, yeah like, absolutely. Like, you know, it is possible for stuff to swing completely back the other way. I, I wouldn't pick it because, like you said, I do think that the baseline level of talent of this team is better than the majority of the rest of the teams in the conference. And I do think that most of the things that, like, the way that the schedule is set up, it's really, really helpful for them. Like you talk about that Iowa state game, it's potentially a tough one, but that's also going to be like week four for Hunter Deckers. Like, you know, brand new Mm -hmm. quarterback, they're replacing a lot of stuff. You know, you're playing them nice and early Oklahoma state. You're playing them nice and early, Um, you know, going to West Virginia, not really sure what you're going to see from West Virginia at that point. I can make an argument either way that it's better to play them early or late. Um, You know, it is one of those things. I mean, that is kind of a really weird circumstance, though, playing that on a Thursday game, right, after a bye week. So you have plenty of time. It's. uh, I was trying to avoid talking about that. And additionally, that Texas game is on a Friday night. Yeah, that's – but Morgantown on a weeknight is always interesting. (laughs) Like, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that one – 
how that one plays out. But, you know, um, the one thing I will say, I don't think you have to worry about, uh, um, you know, Kansas pulling an Iowa State and upsetting you guys as you're on the road to an undefeated season at that point. I do think you'll be undefeated at that point. Um, I think Kansas could potentially make this game interesting. And, and we'll definitely talk about Kansas here in just a second. But I agree with you. I think that Baylor is has a really good chance of being 8-0 going into that Oklahoma game. I think that they get either at Oklahoma or at Texas. I would put more money on getting at Texas to end, to end the season than yeah. you know at Oklahoma. But this Oklahoma team it has a lot of things that are brand new for them. And that I think that's really the big story of the Big 12 this year, right, is that there's a lot of teams. You either have teams that were really good last year but have a whole bunch of new pieces that they're having to break in or teams that were not so great last year and are bringing a bunch of stuff back and could potentially make a big leap forward. And that gives you a muddied conference picture, a really, really difficult way. Like you could pretty much draw all the teams out of a hat in any order. And I, and I could believe that it's possible that that's the order they could finish in. Um, You, you look at those contending teams Right, the teams that have enough raw talent to win the conference, and I just think Baylor has the least amount of things to figure out. Right. Yeah, I, I think that that's a fair assessment, and that's really, I think, what it, what it comes down to at this point is that I'm not sure. I, I don't have nearly as many questions about what Baylor is going to do in a bunch of situations as I do for pretty much every other team. Um, I, I've already made my my views known on that Kansas State team and how good I think they're actually going to be this year. So I, I'm not so worried about Baylor in that particular game. But um, let's go ahead. I want to, before we get out of here, obviously give you an opportunity to talk about Kansas because I'm very high on the Jayhawks this year. I'm in a similar situation to you where I'm probably higher than a, than the majority of a lot of fans, um, which I feel like I haven't been, like I, I'm not one of those people that just pumps sunshine, right? I've been I've been more more than willing to criticize what I've been seeing from the Jayhawks. Um, especially some past administrations. Um, but I don't know. This is just a – I talked about this much earlier in the in the offseason. This just feels a lot different from Lance Leipold and the way that they put things together. They're talking about things differently. There's nowhere near the sense of false bravado that you've heard from, you know, Jayhawk coaches in the past that have come in. But I'm interested in what your view is from the outside. What are you seeing from this KU team, and what's the feeling you get about this team going into the year? Setting some context, uh, if we remove the Baylor games from my viewing menu from last season, I would say like two of the top five most fun experiences I had watching college football last season was Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas. And and not because of the, the trope of, oh, we love Kansas beating Texas, just because it was a fun game. And just because Kansas-Oklahoma was a fun game, right? Um, I, this is going to be a fun... Jalen Daniels, man. It's just, he is so fun. I think that's what this season, the focus of this season needs to be, both from a fan perspective and this Kansas team. Just ha- go have fun, right? Remember that you are there not to be kicked around, right? It, it is fun to do it. Don't get me wrong. As somebody who has been a fan of a school that has been kicked around, I understand how much fun the other teams have doing it. So yeah, for sure. In there. <laughs> uh, 
But I really do think people are what – what is the over-under right now? Two and a half? Two and a half. Yeah, it's, for, it's ridiculous. For, like free money. I, I, see, I see three for sure, right? I, 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 my brain – this is vibes for me, right? I'm a big vibes guy, right? Go with your gut. I see this as a five-win team. And and I think they will be competitive in so many more games oh, yeah. than they were last season just because that offense will be competent. Um, the defense, I don't have enough information as a Baylor fan to be able to speak eloquently about that defense, right? But I do know that the transfer portal helped. Oh, yeah, for sure. But to what extent? What extent? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because this Kansas team, like – you know, they lost Kyron Johnson, who was by far the best player that they had in that front seven. But they're bringing in a guy in Lonnie Phelps, who I think is ready to kind of show everybody what he can do. He played at Miami, Ohio, ranked pretty well, rated out pretty well, you know, when you look at like Pro Football Focus. Actually, if you look at Pro Football Focus, last year Lonnie Phelps was rated as a better player than Kyron Johnson was, which is crazy to think about. Obviously did it at a smaller stage. So that would affect the numbers somewhat, but like you have to be excited as a Kansas fan to see some of these guys coming in, seeing the excitement and just the fact that most of the depth and most of the guys that are playing have another, actually have a full year under the staff, have an opportunity to really get a build the momentum that they need to. It will be very interesting. Like you said, Jalen Daniels is that spark plug that they needed. I, I was one of the people beating the drum the loudest when he, you know, was playing under, Les Miles in his first year had absolutely no offensive line. You could see that he had potential there, but he was never going to get an opportunity if he didn't, you know, if, if he wasn't running for his life or if he was always running for his life two seconds after the ball was snapped. So, um, you know, it's amazing what an offensive line can do. And this Kansas team is bringing back four offensive line starters, which is huge for them. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to kind of see how they're able to put all together, how well they're actually able to compete, like you said, I see them being super competitive in a lot of these games. It's just a matter of how many are they going to be able to finish off. You know, again, I, I thank Philip all the time for him asking for super bold predictions over on the Ten Twelve podcast because um, I got him to to goad me into uh, predicting a bowl game for the Jayhawks this year. Um, you know, look, I, I, while I, I would not be shocked if it didn't happen because it's you know quite a bold statement to say that they're going to go to a bowl game this year. Um, it's also like you said, like like Baylor going twelve and zero, um, Kansas going six and six and sneaking into a bowl game is inside the realm of possibility enough that it's worth talking about. It it, it is definitely within the realm of possibility. It is just hard for non Kansas right right it's diehards. Hard, it's hard to, to conceptualize to that in your brain. Your, yeah, <laughs> the exact word I was about to use. And I'm not saying I'm not trying. I am trying to because. I I love this offense. I think seeing some of the, the the schools that these kids are transferring from on defense too, your Ohio States, your Purdue's, your Miami's, right? Like Coach Leopold's doing something in terms of selling that program, and I think I think things are looking up. I don't want to jinx anything because I actually do want a competitive Kansas. It is just I'd rather TCU be at the bottom. That that would be more fun for me. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's everybody. Everybody kick around TCU for the next 20 years. Let's do that. Yeah, I mean, look, I love Melissa and having her on the podcast and talking about TCU, and she's uh, one fan I oh, would crap. definitely feel sorry for. But 
She's gonna she's gonna be so mad at me. I would be I would be ecstatic if TCU finished the bottom of the conference because that means Kansas doesn't. <laughs> like, yeah. And honestly, that's who my pick is. Not necessarily because I think TCU is gonna fall flat on their face. I just think that they probably are the team with the absolute most questions and bringing oh, in I the brand new coach. Sure. Um, well, I mean, you know, they are moving on from a absolute coaching legend in Gary Patterson and have probably just as many questions on the offensive end as Tech does. It will be interesting. I do think that those are the two teams that have the most questions in the entire conference to to try to answer. So um, I'm hoping for a, you know, Kansas not finishing in the top, in the bottom two um, in in conference this year. We'll see if it actually happens. But Matt, before we get out of here, anything else you want to leave the people with? I think Iowa State's going to be a lot lower on those standings than people expect. A lot lower. Like, a lot lower. Okay, just um, be, be ready for the uh, for the Iowa State Twitter backlash that's going to come from this episode. So Good. They got internet there now? That's awesome. Oh, Good man. for them. Oh, man. Good for them. So, I'm so proud of them. That's great. <laughs> I, I heard Matt Campbell's still there. I read that in the newspaper, I think. That's good good for them that's great uh, other than that like i'm just so excited for football to be back i it, this oh, summer I has felt a lot longer um i i'm not a big fan of all the realignment talk it it, it is exhausting for me so much so that i just kind of tune it out although uh, the the work 1012 has been doing and speaking intelligently about it has been a nice reprieve from all of the 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 billboard words i'll call them uh, that people are spewing about realignment so i'm just i'm so ready for the actual football yeah i actually made a rule over on blue wings rising i am only going to talk about realignment once a week at the most and that <laughs> unless something absolutely crazy happens you know like the big 12 gets four new members or something like that it, um, uh, it, it makes more room to talk about like I, I, like recruiting violations well, or something like that i don't know oh, why anybody okay. would talk about that but <laughs> no 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 but just stuff no, like that i don't know the NCAA doesn't want to talk about it. So why would we talk about it? I mean, <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. We're yeah. company, man. That's right. But no, no, it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, we are getting so close to the season actually starting. Like we are getting ready for it to be less than a month. And yet there are so many people that still refuse to actually talk about the season. So I'm excited to go ahead and be looking at the season and, you know, talking about all the all the wonderful things that we're getting ready to see in the football season this year and just getting ready for another academic year or an athletic year, like over the academic calendar. So I'm I'm super excited. Obviously, we're going to be talking about basketball a lot, too, as that gets ready, because the Big 12 is by far, I think, the best basketball conference. Um, and I don't want to get off into a 20 minute tangent right now talking about the basketball teams, but we probably could like it's that good and that, that exciting and that ready for for both of our schools to be ready for that. So, but that is going to do it for us today. Before we get off into another random tangent and talk for another half hour, Matt, um, those that want to find your work, want to learn more about Baylor, want to get ready for this season. Where, where can they do that? Our daily We have a ton of really smart, funny people that know a whole lot more about everything than I do. I just encourage them to write and I tell them some of the cool things that they might should write. Uh, for my Twitter account at Matt is bear, very, very specific life choice to go follow me. That's up to you. It is. Yeah. Uh, not I, offended I if follow you, don't. you and I, I wonder why sometimes, but some of my best friends mute me for like a good third of the year and I don't blame them. Um, and then there is of course, between two bears, myself, Matt is bear. And then my co-host Evan a bear, uh, we do, you know, we record about 
Baylor sports question mark. And then a lot of stuff right. that is not Baylor sports. So, um, yeah, one of my, one know. of my favorite sports shows up here in the Kansas city area, um, it's actually is no longer around because the host moved off to an actual sports show, but was called almost entirely sports <laughs> because they literally, um, you know, it was actually a lot more of not sports than actually sports. And, and that's the way that I like my sports talk peppered and completely riddled with random things that are also entertaining and at least sports world adjacent, but probably not really actually about sports. So, um, yeah, it's been interesting having you guys on the network and listening to the episodes that you guys do, because it is always a ride, whether you are a Baylor fan or a sports fan in general at all. Um, much like the raspy voice kids have their, um, you know, their uh, MID Apple uh, segments that are must listen. I don't think I have ever come great. away from one of your guys' episodes without being entertained. Well, I truly appreciate that. And for those nice words and to make up for the recruiting violation joke, <laughs> I will say this rock chalk and sickum. I think I can get behind that. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. Leave us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments. would be absolutely fantastic. If, if for whatever reason you can't do that, though, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring this podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network. You can find links to all the great shows that we have on the network, and we're going to be adding a couple more here soon. Um, go to 1012network.com to find all those links, or you can follow them on Twitter at ten12network. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you visit the sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Use that promo code. Get yourself a great set of gear uh, at a really cheap price. But um, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Matt, so much for joining me. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure this is one family reunion you won't want to miss each week on the Cyclone Family podcast.